Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Everybody and welcome into Crown Corner. Will Pelagic, Jessica Charman here with you in our brand new permanent 6 p.m. We promise we're not changing it again, except when there's a midweek game time for Crown Corner, your podcast about Charlotte FC. What's up, Jess? Living the dream. Living the dream. Feels good to have found a 6 p.m. time cap. Hopefully we'll have plenty of you joining in. Talking in the comments. We love the back and forth banter and... Um, We'll be here for it all day. It's it's certainly a lot of banter that we're looking forward to. Uh, again, at Facebook, at Twitch, at YouTube is where you can put your comments below. We will feature them on our broadcast video. And also, you can do so via our Twitters, at Willie P. Style and at Just Talks Footy. We've got plenty to get to this evening. And certainly, we'll get into not only what we saw last week in Greenville, but also most primarily what we saw with the Colorado Rapids, a nil-nil draw. And I think we both kind of said it at the beginning of the post-game show, Jess. Getting a draw in that match is something that I feel like we would have probably taken at the beginning of the night. But after seeing the way it played out, it was hard not to be disappointed with just the way that that game played in favor of Charlotte FC, especially in the final 45 minutes. Yeah, definitely. I think on the road, you would always take a point, particularly against a hard side. We talk about Colorado and the altitude having a huge impact. It's one of the places where a lot of teams struggle to go. That's why it's become a fortress in Colorado. But with the way the game panned out, with the possession that Charlotte had, with the opportunities, shots on goals, we look back at the double save from their goalkeeper when Swiderski almost had it in the back of the net. We look at the McKinsey Gaines pass that we don't really want to talk about, but we have to talk oh. about and you look at moments like that and it was very hard not to sit there in the post-game show and feel like we had messed up in not getting three points but at the same time as we've heard lots of players say anytime you go on the road you've got to be grateful that you had one point you certainly do and you don't want to relinquish that and that was something that they unfortunately did in atlanta after uh, Atlanta had scored in the beginning of that uh, contest, or at least the beginning of that second half. They came back and equalized and could not hold the point against United in that earlier contest in the season. So progression in that front. Uh, you mentioned the pass that wasn't with McKenzie Gaines. It was the major talking point coming out of the match. Uh, 94th minute, basically, he had an opportunity to cross a square ball to Svidersky on a 2v1 against the goalkeeper. Svidersky left wide open. McKenzie takes the shot, and it grounds at the goalkeeper. I do want to give McKenzie credit, uh, and I think we did kind of 
fairly criticized, but also fairly credit because of the fact that he did at least create that run with his speed. And it's something that he's done in his time at Charlotte FC. And I really feel like that's something that needs to be noticed, but lacking the technical ability to finish that, I would have liked to see him pass. I know you would have liked to as well. I go back to that screen cap that was taken off the TV copy where you see Svidersky literally on his own, holding his hands up, waiting for the pass. And then after McKenzie grounds it toward the goalkeeper, Carol Svidersky putting his hands up in his ha- in his face with just uh, disappointment and disgust. I do feel like, though, again, that's a moment I'd rather see in game nine of a team. That's not a moment I want to see when you're going towards a playoff push. Better to have those now while the growing pains are still fresh. And we've got to be in the mindset of McKinsey Gaines, right? He's come off the bench. When you're a player that is trying to earn a starting spot, all you have in your mind is the fact you want to impress. You want to leave a mark for yourself. When he made that run through and when he found himself in a shooting opportunity because goals are scored from those angles, he pretty much lit up. He saw glory. He saw success. He saw making his name on the page. Unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be. He didn't have a quality enough of a shot. If he puts that in the back of the net, we're singing his praises in today's crown corner. So you have to look at it like that. Should he have passed? Of course he should have. Of course he should have. I said it time and time again on the broadcast. It was a key Mm -hmm. moment. The good thing is he did look. He took a look. He saw it. It shows he's a confident player. He believes in himself. He wants to find the back of the net. He's going to be beating himself up more than anybody. We don't need to beat him up for it because I'm sure he's relived that moment over and over again. The most important thing, like I said, the morning after is you have to learn from it. And in positions like that, again, I'm sure he will pass. But at the same time, I don't want McKinsey Gaines to lose that fearlessness. I don't want him to lose that confidence because it's very important that he plays with that swagger. That's the nature of the beast as a forward player. You've got to have a level of confidence and belief in yourself, and at least he displayed that tonight. And we saw him a couple of times this week, and he's taken it in stride. Uh, I, I even look at the you know playing devil's advocate side of it, say he passes it, Carol biffs it, and then we're yelling at Carol for missing it. Or the and defender. Also- I'm sorry, but yeah. we're miss. There was a defender coming back, the goalkeeper. Like we see goalkeepers make saves from those angles. So exactly. it we can say it was a guaranteed goal. Yeah, okay. We expect Karol Svidersky to score from five yards out, but Bet we'll my never house know. On it. We'll never know. Uh, we knew a lot, though, uh, including the fact that, as you saw in the stats, that. Christian Kalina did not make an entire save during that contest. We'll hear from him in just a minute. Uh, Very, very nice night for him and the defense and some other nice moments for Charlotte FC in that match. Here is your nil-nil highlight montage from Saturday night's broadcast as heard on the Charlotte FC radio network. Rubio in the corner of the box. Rubio with a shot off the crossbar and saved by Kalina as well. Just can't give Diego Rubio that much time. Ortiz has it down here with an opportunity here forward. Svidersky just outside the area. Svidersky with a shot. It's a ground ball, though, right in the area of Yarborough to pick it up with the greatest of ease. Alcivar for Svidersky. Svidersky trying to go on his right foot. Right side for Lindsay. Lindsay with a cross. Sliding in the area was Svidersky and a save made by William Yarborough. Shinyashiki into the area. Shinyashiki 1v1 with Lindsay. Shinyashiki still the box. Cross in the middle. The shot off the crossbar on the underside of it. No goal. Very, very fortunate, Charlotte FC. You have faked it a lot. Snap 
kick by Yarbrough, a shot by Elsevier, save made, rebound, and Swiderski is saved, third time the charm, a shot by Swiderski, this time it's knocked away. Fantastic goalkeeping from Yarbrough, I hate to say it. Ortiz in the middle, ball carried around for Alan Franco, he missed it! Oh, Alan Franco had an opportunity. It's a really difficult ball for Franco. He'll have wanted to hit the target, but as you see it again, it's on the half volley, a really difficult technique to have. Rios, pass to the middle for Sergio Ruiz. Sergio was shot, missed it right side. Bender playing it forward. To the right side is McKenzie. McKenzie gains, has Federsky with him. McKenzie with a shot, save made for Yarbrough. I'm sorry, McKenzie Gaines, but you've got to find the pass. Max played it to the left side for Estevez. Estevez in the area, 1v1 on Lindsay. Estevez with a shot way high. That is the final whistle. Charlotte FC earns its first point away from home. And just the latest in a couple of contests I feel like we've seen with Charlotte FC this season where you feel like they deserve more. I know that that was kind of the way that Miguel and Ramirez came and felt after the New England contest. I do feel like maybe I see it a little see that contest more like the Philadelphia one, but this one definitely I feel like and I know you hate looking at expected goals, but we were at 1.2 expected goals. I think that was one we left by the wayside, but again, you go on the road, you get a point you're okay with it, you put it away, and you put it to bed. You're okay with it, but you're also learning from it. At the end of the day, as I mentioned previously, you've got to finish your chances when you get them. And we talk about Mackenzie Gaines's chance. I hear myself back. God, I was depressed after he didn't pass that one. I haven't heard that yeah, back yeah, for were. a while. But <laughs> ah, I just think that there were earlier chances. You listened to Svidersky's opportunity. You listened to Alan Franco's opportunity. I remember there was a dummy where we could have had a, mm. a perfect opportunity, but I believe it was... Maybe Franco and Ortiz weren't on the same page with the dummies. Right. So there were plenty of other moments that if those ones had been buried, the McKinsey Gaines opportunity isn't as big of a talking point because we've taken the lead already. And part of the reason that a draw seems more acceptable in the long view of this is that Charlotte had to play 120 minutes in Greenville last Wednesday. And Miguel Angel Ramirez touched on that in his post-match comments and seemed that basically when it came down to it, a draw is something he would have taken as well. People was exhausted on Thursday. We traveled and on Friday was a terrible weather to, to train, super windy. Uh, I mean, very bad conditions to, to prepare the game with Josh Biak, uh, sick, with Reina injured, with Ben injured. I mean, not able to start the game. So many challenges before this game to, to be able to compete, but and exactly that. He He's being honest. They faced adversity. It's the first time we've had that double header match. And it's something you have to get used to. And it's something that the players will get used to when we have more opportunities like that to play. But I think it also doesn't help that we're going on the road to a place that's very difficult to adjust to as well. I'll, I'll take the point. You mentioned, too, the play of T.T. Ortiz. I feel like we have to single him out in the positive. He's somebody who, ever since the New England, he's looked like a blackjack player on a heater right now. He's feeling some kind of way in the positive. He had the goal against Greenville in the Open Cup contest. He had a lot of great moments entering dangerous areas against Colorado. He is returning to that form that we saw early on, not only in the preseason, but also against D.C. United before he kind of fell out of favor in this lineup for Miguel Angel Ramirez. 
Yeah, he's showing to us exactly what we expected him to have in his locker. And now he's adjusting to the league. He seems to be more comfortable with the pace of the game. And I was very impressed with his duels and his battles in midfield. There were a lot of times where he broke up the Colorado play with the first and second balls. He created breaks with his athleticism, with his skill set on the ball. And I just want to point out, Wesley Riley was talking about the fact that we didn't really mention Colorado did hit the crossbar two times and mm -hmm. a couple of really close opportunities where I mentioned that we gave them too much time and space on the ball. It's all very well and good. I love to be positive and we are playing really well, but there's still some areas in the defense that have me a little nervous where we don't step and close down the ball quite quick enough. And hopefully that's something that we adjust soon because teams will punish us for giving them that much space and room, whether it be on the wing, on the back post, or whether it be with long shots from distance. Heidi Underhill brings up a good point. Gaines was at that Independence game on Monday, incredibly humble and kind. We saw him afterwards as well. It was uh, it was great to see him in, in good spirits. Great to see all the players in good spirits as we were uh, doing a little advanced scouting of our U.S. Open Cup uh, opponent, uh, Richmond Kickers, which we'll get into in a future episode of Crown Corner. I did want to at least focus on something that you brought up during the broadcast that was brought up in the post-match comments of Christian Kalina. We didn't see as much playing out of the back from Colorado's perspective, at least in that contest against Colorado. Uh, they did show a bit of a high press early on, but there were a lot more long balls from the goalkeeper, and Christian Kalina, the goalkeeper, explained why. Yeah, it was part of the plan because uh, it's not our style, but the, the field was not uh, really good for the play from the behind. We didn't want to stupid risk and uh, to receive some uh, goal uh, from nothing. And then we, from us, from behind, we, we choose uh, this way that we will kick uh, many long balls. Maybe it's not usual for us, but uh, yeah, we have a really uh, strong strikers and uh, the most important was that uh, midfielder uh, came on the second ball and uh, we took a lot of second balls and uh, this was uh, really good from our mid midfielders. And, you know, I've been harping on anyone that listens to the broadcast has heard me pretty much every match discuss the fact that we haven't been doing quite a good enough job with that first and second ball. Maybe we're winning the first ball, but if it doesn't fall the way that we want it to, we're allowing the opposition to get there quicker on the second ball. It was a huge improvement against Colorado. TTRT's had a huge role in that, as did the work rate of Alan Franco. Uh, and it really did impact the game. In terms of the directness, I don't mind it. I don't mind mixing it up sometimes to get the ball up the pitch in better areas. I noticed several opportunities where we went long and maybe it went out for a throw-in for Colorado. But anyone that's played the game, anyone that's watched the games know that one of the most difficult places to take a throw-in it is right back in your final third defensively. Because if we pin them in like we tried to, you force those turnovers in dangerous areas. And I thought it was a very organized way of Charlotte FC mixing in the direct. It wasn't just, if in doubt, kick it out, hoof it long. They were playing those long balls with purpose. And I do feel like that physicality is something that we've seen them adjust to more and more throughout the rest, throughout the beginning part of this regular season. And we'll see how that plays out with Orlando this upcoming week. We again encourage you to follow us at Willie P Style, at Just Talks Footy. Uh, respond to the comments sections at Facebook. 
Twitch and YouTube. You can uh, put your comments up. We will recognize them. We will acknowledge them. And also, please get your questions in. Any question you might ask will be a part of the Matt's Burning Questions segment at the end of our hour together. We're going to talk a lot about a real great cause with the women's supporters groups, uh, at least the women of the supporters groups, La Femme Footy. They put together a coalition. We'll talk about them later on in the supporter spotlight. We'll get a look at what Orlando looks like from Paul Shaw from their radio team. But the captain is with us today. Christian Fuchs has an opportunity to speak with us for the first time two-on-one. And this is part of the From the Training Ground portion of Crown Corner. It is Crown Corner, the official podcast about Charlotte FC, and it is our pleasure to welcome in the captain. He needs no introduction because he has the last name that's about as recognizable as any on this club. It is Christian Fuchs. He joins us here on Crown Corner. What's going on, Fuchs? How are you, pal? I'm good. I'm good, Will. Thanks for a nice intro. I love your t-shirt. <laughs> Thank you. And but, I, I but Jess, I like I like your jersey too, so don't worry. Don't worry. It's okay. I, I can handle it. You don't. I, I'm good. I promise. Thick skin yeah. in England. Jess is mad that I'm trying to be a bit of a kiss behind, but I'm not trying to do that at all. Uh, in terms <laughs> no, of no, in terms of the way you guys got the draw in Colorado, uh, I know that's something that I think at the end of the day is probably a disappointing result for a lot of people. But anytime you go on the road and get a draw, I feel like that's a good thing just because I feel like this was a team that was needing something positive to take away from one of these road games that they've had. How how can you be disappointed with uh, one point when so far we didn't get anything from away games? So I, I think it's, it's a great point, a really a massive point for us. It's the first point on the uh, away on the road, which I'm, which I'm very excited about. And you have to understand the circumstances as well. I mean, we're coming off a, off a week with two games already with a 120-minute game on, on the Wednesday, which uh, paid its toll to some players. Uh, but then also with uh, the altitude over there, don't underestimate that. The only thing we were lucky about is that the day before it was, it was a storm there. I mean, I, I, I heard that the winds were up to 87 miles per hour. So that's where we trained. It was hot. It was really hot. And the wind disappeared. The heat disappeared. And that was in our favor then for the game. So that, that felt okay. Talk about the clean sheet as a defender. You know, I grew up as a goalkeeper. Clean sheets mean everything. How big of a deal was it to get the clean sheet in that match as well? Well, I think in the first couple of games, um, we considered too many goals. Also unnecessary goals or unlucky goals, which uh, were undeserved to a certain degree, or which we scored ourselves, most of them. And now we really found our feet. We found our, our rhythm, uh, defensively especially. And it's hard to score game goals against us. It's very hard. And for, for me, I mean, my number one priority is clean sheet, uh, not conceding. And uh, that's that's a win for us already. When you when you don't concede, you cannot lose. And that's exactly how, how the game went. You've spent a lot of time divvying between two different positions, both left back and center back, and and you've had very great results at both. I know left back is probably your preferred position, but you've also helped down at center back. What's it been like going back? Who's saying that? Who's saying that? I'm asking. I'm assuming. I'm asking. I'm assuming. (laughs) Well, I think anyone likes to go forward, no? Yeah, well, that's what we have set pieces for now. <laughs> uh, li- listen, in, in England, I played all the positions. I played uh, as a three in the back, 
three in the bank as a as a left side center back. I played center back with four in the back and full back, of course, uh, most of the time. But I feel very comfortable in any position. Uh, have enough experience in 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 all of them, and yeah, I'm I'm very happy with uh, how we perform defensively. Again, that's that's my main priority, and I I, I see how shots are being blocked, how everybody puts their bodies on the line, and that's that's for me that shows the character in the team for me. Don't take this the wrong way. You've been playing for a lot of years, uh, a mature professional, we can call you. <laughs> How do you feel like soccer has developed throughout your career? I think there's more of an emphasis now on playing out the back, the way Miguel wants to play with defenders, getting involved with the action has become more of a normal instead of just hoofing it long like the olden days. How do you feel like it's changed over your I've, career? I, I, well, it definitely... The game definitely emphasizes playing out from the back 100%. Also, with with your own teammates being able to be inside the box with a goal kick, that plays mm -hmm. plays its part as well. But I don't mind, you know, uh, mixing it up. Um, there have been occasions where we get the team together and uh, bring them up, bring the line higher, and uh, go for a second ball. It really depends on the on the opponent as well, and at what stage of the game you are. Uh, if the opponent has a certain spell during the game, which happens all the time, you might consider bringing the ball up high and uh, turn the defense and try to really press up front. But then most of the times we feel, we feel really comfortable playing out from the back. Um, I, I think what you, you don't really see it on, on the pictures on TV, but certain fields are not really at a good level. And uh, Colorado was not the best. Uh, nevertheless, we, we really circulated the ball well, um, kept in our lines, had the had the dominance in possession and felt comfortable on the ball throughout the game. I remember when you joined the squad, you were really that, that high-profile guy who uh, this club really didn't have as of yet. You've now taken the captain's armband. You are, for the casual fan, probably the most recognizable guy on the roster. How do you feel like you've done with that responsibility and what is it like to kind of to have that as your identifier, so to speak? Well, the secret to that is that I don't see myself like that. I see myself as a part of, of a group that wants to be successful, that is ambitious and that wants to give their best every game and ideally win. Of course, every game we, we, we look to win. If it works out, it's a different story, right? But the way the club develops, I want to be a big part of the development of the club. That's, that's what I see my role here to bring my experience to the players, to the younger players. I mean, like like Chess said before, in a very nice way, I'm uh, I'm uh, well advanced in my career, right? <laughs> no, I'm 36. Come on, spit it out. I'm 36 years old, but I I still think that I can give a lot to to the team, to the club. Not only this season, for for many more seasons. Hopefully, I feel fresh. I feel good. And you talk about advancing the club. I think you also have a role advancing MLS in Europe. There's been a stigma, you know, about MLS, about the level, and it's changing. How do you feel reception is back home towards MLS now? Is it becoming a league that's more respected as a whole? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm getting calls, or, or I would let's let's say it different. I was in Leicester three weeks ago, mm -hmm. and players, coaches, staff—they were very curious how how it goes over there. I mean, they are following the results and everything, but because the time difference, usually uh, it, it's not a time where people stay up until 1, 2 a.m. to watch to watch a game live in, in the MLS. But there is, there's recognition. Players are very curious how it works, how it is. I'm telling them all the time that the level is on a decent, is a decent level, uh, better than I expected, to be honest. And 
very very straightforward but um there is there's a certain interest there and it's i think it's just a matter of time that more and more players will will find its way here what was the hardest adjustment to the way this league plays compared to what you'd seen in the past i mean i've seen quite a lot of things mm-hmm. um what was the hardest adjustment i mean it's a very athletic league um definitely Nevertheless, I see myself pretty athletic myself as well. So I, I was able to cope with that pretty well. Um, I just like the style overall or, or going to going long distances. I think that's the biggest adjustment overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not the game itself because, again, um, not to tap too much on my shoulders, but I've, I've come from a level where, where the intensity is really on the, on the highest level. Um, but you're being challenged here. It's very competitive, which I, I like. Uh, I'm a competitor myself all my life, and I, I want to have competition rather than just uh, an easy game. I, that's not who I am. That's not what I want for, for ourselves as well because it just helps us develop more as a team. But the traveling is something that is very different to me, uh, the long distances. But you, you do your best. You try to recover in between as much as possible, and we have a good backroom staff here as well that takes care of us pretty well most difficult player in your career that you've had to defend against who would you say it would be during your career it, you, you sound like one of my players in my academy that's the number one question i get asked all the time <laughs> what can i say I, i'm youthful i'm youthful like them yes yes so am i so am i um i have been a couple there but for for me, the one which I also admired to a certain stage was Aaron Robin. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, from from Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, uh, where mm-hmm. he played, because everybody knew what he is doing, right? The, the the small dribble and then cutting inside and taking a shot off. There was one issue, or like, let's say there were two issues. The first one, you didn't know when he's going to do it. <laughs> the second one, when he does it, he's gone. So, <laughs> so there, it was hard to defend him and. Uh, he always tried to to double up against him, but uh, he was just too good. I will say that there are a couple of guys with very colorful personalities on this team. You are one. I think Carujo is another. I feel like every time I see him on the pitch, there's like a screw loose or something with him in a good way. What has it been like kind of having him as your center back pair in these couple of contests? Well, he's fearless. He just goes through bodies. Uh, which is great. Uh, he's a great athlete and uh, always trying to to give his best every every second he's stepping onto the field. And that, but that doesn't only go for him. Like you said, um, there are so many more characters. And uh, you know, even if it's a a, a personality, a, a very calm personality, the second they step on the field, I want beasts out there that just try to give their best and try to to win those games. I would be amiss not to ask a little bit of a question about England, obviously. No spent way. a long time there. Oh, I'm so predictable. Uh, what food What food did you enjoy the most, food or snack, that you can't get in America? That I can't get in America? Well, the, the cuisines are so international nowadays. So you kind of get, <laughs> get everything. That's true. That's true. You, you get everything from Chinese, Japanese, African. You can get everything here. Um, what I really like, believe it or not, and it's probably cliche, um, is um, fish and chips. Okay. 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 Solid uh, answer. Do you, 
do you, do really, you like I really like it honestly the fish with the vinegar <laughs> oh vinegar now, vinegar is the key to the good fish it's the though. big key it's the big key <laughs> are you a marmite fan because Jess brought marmite into our studio a couple weeks ago and I have to say Christian it was the most disgusting thing I've ever had in my entire life what is marmite he's not even had it Oh, wow. It's like Ask a spread. Anton. I'm sure Anton knows what Marmite is. It, it's a spread that goes on the bread. I didn't have it. <laughs> I guess you're, I prob- you're probably anyway. lucky. You're, you're probably lucky. Yeah, probably, ask, yeah. ask, ask Walks about, about Marmite because that stuff was disgusting. Uh, what do we have to do to get your no Fuchs given distillery stuff over here? You find me a distiller. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working. I'm I'm working on it, man. I'm working on it. It's it's just a long process. It's very different over here, but there's something coming very soon, and you should keep your eyes and ears wide open, especially on my social media. Yeah, (laughs) great plug. Great plug. He's quite the showman when it comes to the plugs. It's coming soon. It's coming soon. It's coming soon. It's in the making. What's it been like? I know one of the things you said uh, in your first presser was having your family over here and, and that kind of drove a lot of your desire to want to play in the United States. What is it like being able to see them kind of during a season and, and have that more interaction with them? It's, it's very helpful from a mentality standpoint um, because now you don't have the Atlantic Ocean in between, right, which was kind of a distance. So we cut the traveling in in one third so <laughs> instead of uh, 12 hours door to door it's now four hours door to door which is very helpful and i see them on a regular basis which it's just something that that you need as a as a person i mean we are not only players who need to perform out there the, the only way to perform is if you feel comfortable and if you're happy and if you have this bonus which is a bonus for me i mean i don't see them every day right we're still uh, living apart but my family, my children were here last week. I was in New York over the weekend. And this did not happen when I was in England. And this is a big bonus for my mindset, for my, for uh, me personally to perform better as well. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you guys take the pitch in Orlando. We want to see three points, though, this time around. And uh, no have, pressure, that nice, right? have that nice little... Uh, little buoy going into the three-game homestand. Appreciate the time, Christian. Thank you so much, and uh, best of luck throughout the rest of the year. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Got to get Fuchs to pick up some bagels in New York next time he's uh, he's up there. Let's be real. <laughs> you are something else. I just love watching these. I love your interactions with play as well. You're my, you're my favorite what? human being. I, just, I love how you call them by their surname, too. Hello, Fuchs. <laughs> Well, no, it's he's it's Fuchs. I mean, it, you you can't call him Christian, no. <laughs> yes, you can't call him. You, can. you can't call you can't call a man with the last name Fuchs Christian. I'm sorry. Listen, I'm traumatized. This is this is getting off track, but I will never call a player by their last name because when I was about six years old, I yelled at a Reading football club player by his last name, and he told me off. Because I don't call me that. Call me my first name. And ever since then, I've been traumatized. I see how it is. I love how you had to get in the uh, the fish and chip comment. But he, oh, didn't, like, he didn't like Marmite. Didn't like Marmite. No, he That's didn't even know what it was. Scott, you're so right. He is a classy, classy player. It was so fun to interview him. Um, 
And we'll definitely get him back soon to ask all the questions that everyone's posted for him. We'll definitely write those down. We'll get our producer, Matt Hogan, to write those questions down for us. I, I wanted to, before you, before you went back to something, I wanted to point something out. He is draws a parallel to a lot of the players, I feel like, that we've talked to. The intelligence level, the soccer IQ level, where a lot of these players, to, to play this game model, it takes a lot of that. And so... When you hear a lot of those players speak about the game, Fuchs, Bender, others, they really have a, a strong, deep amount. Carujo, same thing. They have a real, real deep knowledge of the way this game model is supposed to look. And through nine games, it's looked the way it's supposed to. Yeah, it has. And they've, they've really caught on to it quickly. We were a little bit con concerned just because it is a very complex model that not so many players have played before. But I think it's very smart that they... Uh, sorry, I'm just reading the. <laughs> oh my god! Sorry, I'm reading the comments. You guys are, are, are cracking me up. But I, I just feel like this is a really complicated game model, and they they've really got onto it fast. And what's amazing is, well, you mentioned two people at the opposite end of the spectrum: Ben Bender, a rookie out of college; Christian Fuchs, a Premier League winner. Both of them with incredible soccer IQ. It just shows the full range that we have at Charlotte Football Club. You wanted to unpeel the onion a little bit more on the long balls versus building out of the back with Kalina. Yeah, I think that it's one of those things where with the long ball over the top, Charlotte FC hasn't played the long ball that often during the season at all. They've played a lot of horizontal passes around the back line. They've done a lot of ticky-tacky, and that's a great way of playing. It's a guaranteed way usually of keeping possession, but we're adding some direct play in. Is that something a lot of clubs do more often? Yeah, we have a lot of clubs that play very scrappy direct play. We don't want to become a club that does that all the time. I'm not saying that. But having it in your mixing bag as an option, I wouldn't say go 50-50. But if you've got that long ball to relieve pressure when you're being you know, rattled by a team or when you need to just get the ball up the pitch, I think it's a great thing to have. And Charlotte FC showing that they have another skill set with that long ball as long as they pick up on the second balls. Well, I do think, again, what it looks like, Jess, is they're playing more instinctively. I think when they were in Charleston, when they were playing D.C., when they were playing L.A. Galaxy, you could see, you know, the gears turning in the head and you could see the smoke coming out of the ears of the center backs and thinking, OK, what am I supposed to do? It seemed like every decision was calculated and you could see them playing it out in slow motion. The secret to this game model is fluidity. It certainly is. And, you know, you saw that in the Atlanta contest with the chances that were created. You saw that in the Cincinnati contest with the chances that were created. You saw it in spades in the first New England contest where you had that team literally playing off their heels. Granted, their top two center backs weren't available and they didn't have their strikers that they normally have or are accustomed to. But that is really where you start seeing, OK, you break each line, and you're able to play fluid and play instinctively, that's what this is supposed to look like. And the instinctiveness is what I think is key with your point, Will. I talked about early on some of my criticisms where it almost looked that at times they were just doing exactly what they've been told to in the dressing room. And as a player, I understand that when you're coming under a new manager, you want to do exactly what you're being asked to. One of the biggest things you have to remember at the end of the day is you're the player on the pitch. You're the player that's being asked to do a job, but you're also the player that's going to be ridiculed if you make a mistake. You're smart enough to have earned your spot. So if you think the right thing to do is go long, sometimes you've got to go long. And I love to see that. And it just seems like they're more confident now in trusting their own instincts and decisions. Charlotte FC now turns their attention to the final game of this three-match road trip. 
They play Orlando City SC. Orlando near the top of the table. They're coming off a 3-0 defeat at the hands of the New York Red Bulls. We talked to a former English footballer and somebody who is part of the Orlando City broadcast team, Paul Shaw. So we do a little opposition research here on Crown Corner. Crown Corner continues the little opposition research. We look at the Lions of Orlando City Soccer Club, and we'll bring on someone from their radio team, Paul Shaw, who is a great player in his own right. He joins us now on Crown Corner. Paul, uh, Will, and Jess, thank you so much for uh, continuing uh, as part of the welcome wagon as we uh, get ourselves acclimated to this league. Thank you. No problem. Thanks for asking me to come on. Appreciate it. So in terms of uh, the way Orlando City's season has gone, I know that last week kind of is a, a performance you guys want to forget, but but how would you assess the way the club has played so far this year? Yeah, fairly well. Um, I would say defensively, they've been very good. And um, that sounds a little bit surprising considering they conceded three goals last week um, against the Red Bulls. And uh, in a previous game to that, they, they conceded four at home to uh, LAFC. But apart from that, Defensively, they've been very good. Um, and obviously, they've added a few players going forward. Erjan Kara, um, Facundo Torres, um, mostly. And, and those guys have settled in well. Um, the, the, the team's playing well. The, the team is probably not as consistent as they would want to be at the moment. Um, but they're moving in the, in, the, in the right direction. They're in and around the areas of the, of the league in the Eastern Conference where they want to be. Um, so they feel quite confident, I think, the team at the moment. Although... As I said, just consistency is is, is letting them down a, a little bit at times. And, and definitely last weekend against the Red Bulls, um, they really didn't perform. It was as poor as I think I've seen um, Orlando City for, the, I think, the last five years that I've been doing the broadcast. It's been, it was one of the poorest performances. But sometimes I think you can just put that, that performance to one side and, and move on because it wasn't really indicative of, of how they've played this season. Look, Charlotte FC has obviously struggled on the road a little bit, picked up their first road point last week away at Colorado. How has the Lions' den been this season? Has it been filling up? Is it a difficult place to go play rather other than the last result, obviously? It, it, they, they've actually... Uh, Orlando have lost three games at home and um, that's almost... It, it is surprising considering, uh, you know, how... how good or how dominant they, they've been previously at home and, and in games. And so um, I think playing at Explorer Stadium has always been good for Orlando. Um, the, the, the fan base is, is good there. It's re they really get behind the, the, the team. Um, and I think if Orlando get up in games um, early, they normally do well. You know, they, they can normally dominate, dominate games. But um, at times they found if they get a little bit frustrated early on or concede the early goal. Um, it's been a little bit difficult at, at times there, but um, usually it's, it's a good place to play. Um, it's, it's a beautiful surface. It's, um, you know, it, 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 it's a good fan base there. So um, I think it should be a good game. Um, there's no doubt. I think Charlotte going to come in there and, and, and try and frustrate Orlando early. Um, and, and, and it should be, you know, I think a, a good game to watch. Paul, I know that uh, it's something that's kind of always brought on when, when Orlando plays in a, uh, in a national sense, but uh, I know that the, the Daryl DK situation, obviously, with him departing and, and you having to have all that turnover going back towards uh, this club, I know it's always been kind of a constant talking point 
how do you feel they are in, in terms of Orlando being able to go forward and get those goals? Well, I think that has been something that has been a work in progress for them because you're right when you say that they lost Daryl DK. Um, and, and I think everybody knew at some point he was going to move on. That, that was not a secret. Um, and bringing in Ojan Kara, as they did, brought, bringing in Facundo Torres, um, and also having this year um, Alexandra Pato, who has almost seemed like a new signing, even though he played last year, um, he wasn't fit throughout the whole year. Um, luckily, he's been fit this year, and without doubt, Alec, uh, Alexandra Pato has been the best forward player for, for Orlando so far this season. So um, it's almost a completely new front line for Orlando this year um, but it's certainly a front line that started to show signs of gelling and gelling well together um, and I think throughout the season they're only, they're only going to get better Charlotte FC, the new boys to the league, from what you've been able to see this season, what do you feel like keys to the game are for Orlando to make sure they get something out of this match? Well I think it's, it's interesting of, of course we've been in that situation ourselves, Orlando being obviously uh, a new team, a new franchise into the league and, and the, that, the, the challenges that come your way regarding that. But um, it seems from the outside that Charlotte have, have settled very well into the league. Um, I think the important part is they've got good experience in certain key areas of, of the team um, and they started well. So I, I, I don't have any doubt that Orlando are going to want to start very fast. They're certainly going to want to put Charlotte under a lot of pressure early on. Um, that's normally how they play against anybody at home. There's no secret to that. So that's, I think, how they're going to um, attack the game. Um, knowing that, obviously, Charlotte have been a very organised team in this league at the moment. So they're going to want to try and disorganise them, I think, as, as early as they can. Paul, I know that we always kind of look at this league as being one where, where parity reigns supreme, but it seems like there is a good bit of strength on both sides of the ledger in the, both the Western and Eastern Conference. We sit now uh, nine, ten games in. Where do you feel Orlando City's place is in the hierarchy of the Eastern Conference? I, I don't have any doubt that I think um, getting in the playoffs is a goal of the club, for sure. Um, I, I do feel feel like on their day, Orlando can be one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. Um, I know Philadelphia are going to be very strong again this year, as, as they always are, but I think Orlando feel like they can be up there with the top three or four teams in the Eastern Conference. Um, but in this league, I think that the, the years that I've been in it and obviously games and, and, and commentating on games, consistency is the most important thing. I think if you can stay consistent, if you can pick up points, especially in, in road games where you're travelling a lot is, is, is so important. And so I think that's the part where Orlando need to just really figure out is that consistency. And uh, if they can do that, then I think quality-wise, they certainly have enough players, as I said, to be one of the top three or four teams in the Eastern Conference. That's a little bit from Paul Shaw, the Orlando City SC radio analyst. Apologize for having a little bit of connection issue with Paul uh, near the end of that comment. Uh, but I do feel like 
there is a lot of bullishness from Charlotte FC fans. We saw a couple of people from uh, from our contingent saying some things about Paul. Uh, thankfully, uh, that is pre-recorded, so Paul didn't necessarily hear the uh, the jabbering back and forth. But I do feel like that's the the mentality for a lot of Charlotte FC fans. They're bullish on this because if you watch that New York Red Bulls game. I saw disorganized play. I didn't see a lot of confidence. I know there's talent there, but there's also vulnerability. Yeah, I think it's one of those where we don't want to go in and underestimate and be overconfident because sometimes hubris can uh, be a problem. But I think that this is a game that we should win. Like We would be fools if we didn't think that this was a game that we deserve to win. And I think we need to go out there and perform and play confidently. Again, we don't want to go into this match trying to prepare and adjust too much for Orlando. We want to go to Orlando and play the soccer that we know we can play effectively. And in the words of, I can't remember who said, I think it was Andrew, I would like to see them go down as well. It'll be very fun to get our first three points on the road against the Disney City. And if you think about, if you're taking the long view of this three-match road trip, no one liked the way that New England looked. I think weather had a lot to do with that. I think the the way that they came out of that match too, I think is something where they probably felt like they deserved a little bit more than they did. I didn't like the way that they conceded that second goal. I feel like if that second goal doesn't get conceded, maybe you, the score line looks a little bit different, especially if you get that late goal from TT and maybe it turns out to be 1-1. But if you end out this three-match road trip with four points on three games, I think that's something that would look you would look back and you would say, oh, my goodness, that turns some heads around the league, Jess. Yeah, I think it's sitting pretty uh, and you're getting that monkey off your back. We talk so much about how it's been a long time coming to pick up our road points. And if you can get a win and a draw in a three game span, which is a really difficult run, particularly in MLS, when there's so much travel, you're feeling very happy about it again. It's one of those where you look at it. And before this run of three, if we said, hey, you can take four points without playing the games, we take it. Maybe after seeing the performances, like you say, where we're a little disappointed, but let's go out there to Orlando and make sure that we dominate and finish the chances we create and play the way we know we can. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of lineup they throw out there uh, with a little bit more of that uh, that change in that meld, just because I know that you really can't take anything from the Greenville game and extrapolate it to the first team, but at least from a player standpoint, who stood out to you that maybe deserves some more time in terms of uh, what we saw against the triumph and maybe somebody who could possibly be earning some more moments? I know we talked about TT earlier, but who's somebody else I think that uh, can be a part of this roster moving forward in a more competitive sense against uh, the first teams of the MLS? I think Sergio Ruiz had a really solid game. I like what he offers. We've seen him get first team minutes in MLS, but not consistently. I think he's beginning to show what he offers, including his work rate. Really impressed with that. Harrison Offal showed us a lot of what he can offer, getting forward, mm. pushing forward in his attacking presence. Obviously got the goal as well. Um, he's a player that I wasn't, I was a little worried about signing. He's on the age perspective. He hasn't had the most consistent career in MLS, but I think he showed us he has a determination and a will behind him. And we look best when we have attacking fullbacks that can go forward and offer numbers going forward. We know he's very confident driving down those wings. And perhaps he's a player that at least we now feel confident with has more depth in this side. 
It's a 7.30 kick in Central Florida. We're on the air on not only WFNZ, our flagship station, but also across the Charlotte FC radio network, 7 o'clock for the pregame. 7.38 is the kick time coming up against Orlando. And Pietra says, yes, body language against Orlando can be very, very important. Uh, I think they also played very, very well against Colorado in the opening 20 minutes of play. Not conceding, I feel like, is something that could be looked at as a step of progress for this squad. Uh, this this game precedes three consecutive home games for Charlotte FC, including May 7th against Miami. And our next guest brings us a real, real cool event and charitable function that you can be a part of if you go to the May 7th match against Inter Miami. Morgan Gallimore joins us from the collection of supporters groups amongst the female leaders of the supporter groups. La Femme Footy is part of our supporter spotlight. It is supporter spotlight time on Crown Corner, and we're going to do something a little different. So normally we would focus and spotlight one particular supporters group, but instead we're going to spotlight all of the supporters groups in a very unique way. Uh, La Femme Footy has become really an awesome part of the supporters group experience. It is a collection of all the female leaders within every Charlotte FC supporters group session. And Morgan Gallimore from Southbound and Crown is representing La Femme Footy to tell us about some great things going on with uh, not only a female tinge, but also female interest. And she joins us here on Crown Corner. Morgan, thank you so much for taking some time with us. And uh, first off, we really appreciate the work you guys have done and will continue to do so far in this inaugural season. Yeah, thank you for having me on. So what was the initial impetus on putting together something that really is unique, I feel like, in supporter section lore? Yeah, so um, La Femme Footy kind of started um, about the beginning of March, um, end of February, where um, Becca Mitchum, um, Heidi Underhill, and Meg Church and I um, got together and wanted to find a way for us to kind of bring in um, the female leadership across all supporters groups. And it lined up really nicely with the Cincinnati game um, because it was kind of the battling Queen City. Um, So we kind of decided to make an event where we could support um, women and girls in the sports and soccer field. and kind of try and call out, so to speak, Cincinnati. And so that was kind of our first um, event that we did as La Femme Footy, trying to get together. And the four of us kind of founded it and then reached out to all of the other supporters groups and asked if they had any um, female leadership or just members um, that wanted to kind of help with our mission, um, raising queens on and off the pitch. Love that. Absolutely love that. Obviously, as a female in soccer, it's near and dear to my heart. Um, Morgan, do you feel like there's a difference in the way that women can be treated in soccer? Is that something you guys also want to raise awareness for, the equality of the the fan base and the experience for both men and women? So, so far, I think with Charlotte, I haven't seen that personally, um, especially within Southbound. Um, I think we're kind of all throughout involved in everything that happens. I do think that sometimes outside of us, there is kind of that discrepancy of what um, kind of like what a girl can do. Um, Mm -hmm. 
in a supporters group, but I would say so far in um, the Charlotte FC world, we haven't really seen that. And I can speak for that as well. I think with Charlotte <laughs> FC, something that's been very special from the ground up is the fact that we've included women in all walks of life. And I guess I wanted to address the fact that that's not the norm across yeah. the world. So I think that's a really incredible thing that Charlotte FC's done, groups like you have done, it is create that equality and it's brilliant to see. Yeah, definitely. And that's kind of what we wanted to showcase because I think this has been such a unique experience like where we have female capos and you know you don't see that often and um, we kind of wanted to make a place for all of that to come together with yeah, that, that was really really cool to see in the in the Cincinnati game that was the, the women and girls belong in sports mm -hmm. day and and to see the female capos and, and I do feel like that just puts a different different tinge on it and, and have people see that in different light and say, okay, you know, we are actually making an effort to, to not only include, but also have women thrive in this entity and, and thrive with this thing. Because I do feel like even, even my fiance and I talk about this a lot too, is just, you know, it, we need more of that team in terms of this sport. Right? Cause I do feel like it's one where I feel like you can have a lot more of that involvement, which in turn involves a lot more people as far as being part of that fan base. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, a lot of the supporters groups have really pushed for that family environment. So I think that helps a lot, too, because it's not um, kind of one particular group um, welcoming um, everyone. It's kind of like across the board. A lot of the supporters groups have pushed for that family environment. So I think that makes it easy as well. And I know you did an incredible fundraiser because I remember donating to it before <laughs> that match. You've also posted something on social media upcoming. Can you give a little bit of a rundown on what you've done and what you plan to do? Yeah, so our kind of debut fundraiser was um, for the Cincinnati game. We did um, United for Girls. That's the U.S. Soccer Foundation. Um, and what that does is raise money to kind of bring that equality um, to girls and women um, either participating in the sport or also they encourage a lot of um, female coaches um, because by we looked into a lot of their initiatives and by age 14 um, girls are two times more likely to drop out of sports which is why our goal for that was um, $1,400 um, which in about a week and a half, we actually raised over $2,000 for United for Girls. So wow. we're, um, we're really excited about that, about how well that um, event did. And um, United for Girls actually reached out to us and thanked us because it's one of those organizations that's amazing, but doesn't get a lot of the um, kind of fundraising push that some of the other organizations do. So that was really amazing. Um, and so our next event is actually at our next home game, on the 7th, um, we're doing a can for can food drive with Noda Brewery. Um, so they're, they've been amazing. They're partnering with us for the month of May. And at the home game, if you come to the tailgate lot, um, then if you donate um, either canned food or a needs item, a personal care item, um, diapers, things like that, um, we will trade you your donation for a can of Noda Brewery. Who doesn't? Product. What a great deal. That's <laughs> exactly. brilliant. I can't believe more people exactly. haven't thought of that. That's, um, a, that's a fantastic idea. By yeah. Way. So we figured that'd be a great way to kind of bring everybody together. Um, we're all going to be at the um, tailgate lot together anyways. Um, so this is just a great way to kind of raise some resources for um, 
Safe Alliance is who we're partnering for for the month of May. Um, so all the donations that we raise on this tailgate um, can for can drive will go to Safe Alliance, which is the um, domestic violence shelter in Charlotte. And I know you guys are also partnering with them for a 5K later on in May. And it's obviously something where I feel like, you know, that's a very worthy charity and something I feel like, like you said, the, the enterprising idea with the Kid for Kid food drive between those two events, uh, we should be able to help out a lot of people who I feel like need it the very most. Oh, definitely. And uh, Safe Alliance is doing their uh, walk a mile in her shoes on the 14th of May. And that starts, I believe, at Noda Brewery. You can go on their website um, and sign up for that. And then um, Noda Brewery has been amazing. They're partnering with uh, La Femme through the entire month of May. So every um, pitch side Pilsner that's sold in-house um, at their tap room, um, $1 will go to Safe Alliance during the entire month of May. So um, they're kind of really pitching in um, and helping us out a lot this month. Great excuse to have a beer. Yeah, exactly. You can find them on Twitter, again, at La underscore Femme underscore Footy. Uh, She has it actually does Morgan as part of her uh, as part of her uh, thing there, uh, her lower third, I should say there. Uh, But appreciate the time, Morgan. Uh, You are one of my two favorite Gallimores uh, between you and (laughs) your husband, Michael. Thank you so much for your time and uh, appreciate the work and uh, continued success. We wish you. Perfect. Thank you guys for having me. That's great stuff from La Femme Footy again, March the 7th. Donate a can, get a can of Pitchside Pills, and also be sure to uh, buy a can of Pitchside Pills at Nota Brewing anytime in the month of May to help out that very worthy cause. We've reached. We didn't ask what the limit was, Will. Like, can you bring like just 20 cans and get 20 cans of beer for a match? That I do not know. I do not know. That would be cool. don't I'll know if I broadcast after 20 cans of beer, though. I'm not sure that would be a good idea. I don't think I need to hear you after one, <laughs> let alone 20. But be that as it may, we have reached the question and answer portion of our proceedings. Uh, be sure, again, on Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube to post your comments. And our behind-the-scenes producer, Matt Hogan, will post them. What do we have, Mr. Hogan? First up, uh, do you think we'll see Camille Josviak Saturday? I believe we will, 100%. I don't know if we'll see him start because I still feel like Miguel is in the lab trying to figure out how exactly he fits in. There's very much a not wanting to break what is not broken scenario when it comes to the four diamond two, but I do feel like we will see him at some point on Saturday. Yeah, and he looked great. Let's be honest. We were lucky to get to see him in Greenville, really technically sound, had a real fight to him. I think the fact that he's coming from championship football in England is a huge uh, huge benefit because of the leagues and the parallels with MLS and unfortunately got some sort of illness which knocked him out last time so hopefully he's recovered and ready to go at least off of the bench for us to see him shine so Heidi tells us by the way uh you get one beer per donation so that is, that uh, is I think I, I think I I guessed I guessed that but it would have been fun I don't know if we want to see too many people with 20 beers in them. Let's be honest. I, I, I don't think the supporter section needs that much help. They are pretty loud and, and hooliganry all on their own right. Uh what's next Matt? Uh, will they sign another player before the transfer window is closed? Um, that one's I'm, I'm not sure because I do feel like once the the summer one opens, that's where I feel like a lot of the player movement goes. I feel like a lot of this is kind of a wait-and-see approach right now from the club. Uh, there are going to be maybe some immediate needs, whether it comes to, you know, I know that they probably want to look at maybe signing another left back because 
while Christian Fuchs, who we had on earlier tonight, was fantastic, we have seen them go to him more as a center back and and having really not much depth behind Joseph Mora. I feel like they might want to address that position, but I'm not sure if, if there's anything more that they'd want before the summer one opens because that's when I feel like the higher quality players might be available, right? Yeah, we've got until May 4th, right? May 4th, Wednesday is when the transfer window closed in MLS. It's really weird because it doesn't run parallel with leagues in Europe. So as much as they can release players, they can't replace them. So you're not going to be able to get players from leagues necessarily that you want in terms of quality until both their windows are open. I would say expect more action in the transfer window in July. And that also allows us more time to look, to assess what we need, assess what we want. And I wouldn't say that this is the same squad that we see at the end of the season, but I would say it's the same squad we're going to see until July. And I don't think there's really a dire need right now for anything at this point that you have to have to 100% go out and get. Uh, what is next, Mr. Hogan? Biggest red flag from watching Richmond. Defer to you. I think they're just very aggressive with their press. They were very physical. They were very aggressive in the ball. They have players that can finish. They've got players that can frustrate you. You look at uh, Charlotte Independence got the red card because of some cheeky off the ball incident with Richmond's players. And I think they've got a bit of a um, physicality about them, a bit of a nasty streak. I think another big red flag is that they did that away from home. Imagine how they can do at home. We're going to their territory to play. It's going to be their cup final. They're playing an MLS side. They're used to upset. So uh, I think our biggest red flag is not to underestimate them just because they play in the league, you know, USL. They got center backs who look like offensive linemen. I feel like it'll be a very physical match. Uh, although I do feel like there are some people who feel like the better side that we played is the one that we just beat. Uh, when it comes to the uh, Open Cup, uh, what else uh, do we have? Another, we have time for one more, or no? Throw friend Heidi's question. Oh, one more. Okay, Kate. Kate's fine. We can do Kate. <laughs> Heidi, <laughs> let's go. How much do you feel like Adam being out on injury will affect us? Yeah, if you haven't seen, you know, Adam Armour has been pictured in a couple of social media posts uh, on a crutch. We've not gotten anything yet official from the team, but uh, if it is a long-term situation with Adam and his knee, uh, if you missed it, he went down in that contest against Greenville. That's a real terrible loss just because of the fact that I feel like he was progressing a lot. I think there's still a lot that can be learned from him on that. Uh, but I think that goes back to what I said earlier. Maybe that means they look more in the, in the fullback market as opposed to to anything else so far on this team because he was playing a lot of those left-back and midfielder minutes for Charlotte FC off the bench. And I think the biggest issue with Adam Armour being out is the energy that he brings off of the bench. Okay, we haven't lost a starting player, which a lot of people emphasize all the time. Oh, well, you're without your starting 11. That doesn't necessarily matter as much. It's about the fact that we're missing a live wire off the bench that has fantastic soccer IQ that has finished out minutes for us offers something a little bit different. I'm going to touch on Kate, though, because I feel really bad. I know we, we, we're about to cut off. Kate, I'm looking forward to every single England match, every single U.S. match, obviously. Uh, and But honestly, though, until that Black Friday battle's out of the way, I'm not sure anything else matters apart from England kicking Willie's butt. Wow. Wow. Okay. I didn't know what explicit, so I was allowed wow. to use it. I went, okay. I went with the American butt. I'm, I'm looking forward to – I'm going to take it one match at a time. I'm going to be like Miguel. I'm, 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 my eyes and my focus is on Wales, Scotland, or God forbid Ukraine. Because if they play Ukraine, you want to talk about worlds colliding as a proud Ukrainian and as a proud American, that's going to be very, very tough for me. You worlds I live in America and I am English. Worlds don't collide more than that. But that's, but that's so much different. You're not going to root for the U.S. against England. That's no, different. 
And everyone, please let me preface. I like Marmite. Like, why is everyone thinking I hate it? I love Marmite. I'm powered by Marmite. Cool's powered by Marmite. They need to. This swap stuff's around. disgusting. You stopped the trial over much. Do not welch and back down because I, I ate, I ate Marmite for you, Jess. Where that do I get liver? Okay, someone needs to tweet me where I can get liver mush on Saturday. For we will make I it happen. Well, maybe, Midnight Diner, I think, has some. So I feel like we might have to do that. Make that happen. Okay. I'll make it happen. I'm, I'm a woman. Don't, of my don't, work. don't scowl on the face like that. That's not. I, I was a good sport. I'm scared. All right, all right. I just wanted to say before Willie does the official sign off. Thank you, everyone who joined us in the comments. This has been an actual, like, absolute laugh. Thanks to Matt, who has been a legend interacting with you. And thanks for joining us. It's been a blast. And I don't regret the 6 p.m. kickoff, even though my stomach is rumbling. Well, Jess will get uh, the rumbly and her tumbly settled. We will hopefully get three points in Orlando. And we hope to talk to you on Saturday or hope that you listen to us on Saturday. Seven o'clock is when we start on WFNZ and across the Charlotte FC radio network are two states, actually three states, big network, because we're up in uh, in Virginia as well. So we're happy to connect with you, however you might uh, be in touch with us on game day and match day Saturday. And we'll talk to you here next week at 6 o'clock on Crown Corner. For Jess and producer Matt, I'm Will saying thanks for listening and watching Crown Corner.